We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar, with my co-host Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. You guys can follow me at Mike Dugar. That is M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. I'm also verified. I'm Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at C-K-I-D-D-206, and that's C-Kidd206. We don't have any experts on the show today, Chris. It's just you and me. Just you and me talking NFL draft coverage. Um, I think that'll do though. We also don't have the video uh, on this one, just because it's us. They don't need to see us that often. Uh, we save the video for the guests. But I am actually excited, as someone who does not like a lot of pre-draft content, I am very excited to do some on this episode, just because it feels like this year more than any year I've really dug into it. I've like really looked at prospects and like some deep, deep, deep analyzing. Now I'm not gonna lie, I'm not a big film guy here. Um, because film is hard to come by for college kids. But I just feel confident, so confident, Chris, that like between the mock drafts that I've already written and between the content that we're going to produce on this show today, I am going to break my rule of never gamble <laughs> and suggest that, if, <laughs> that I am willing to wager, maybe not with you, just with anyone, that I'm I love going, how you just immediately eliminate me. But yeah, that's because cool. like, you don't want me to cut my hair or something like that. I'm just not betting my hair. That's just not how it's going to work. But I'm, I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna have to wager with someone that I am going to get a pick right. I'm going to ac- accurately project who the Seahawks are going to pick. I've done it before. You have as well. I predicted LJ Collier. You predicted Rasheem Green. Um, those are the 2019 and 18 drafts respectively. So we've, we've done it. We've been able to do it. And because I've done so many mocks and so much digging, and that the Seahawks have, they've been, they've had the same regime since 2010, which is pretty unique. So it's given us a large sample size of what they prefer and prospects from the measurables and what type of traits they admire and when they're willing to take risks on certain players and prospects and when character concerns are too much. The answer is mostly never. Um, but like we, we have enough data. So I feel good. I'm going to get one right. I think so. Um, we're going to do both of our, Chris and I are going to do both of our mocks. Uh, his is different than mine. We don't have any overlapping players. We didn't talk about it beforehand, which is really nice. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's always good. We're not just babbling about the same folks. I do want to uh, point out a really nifty tool, though, before we get started, um, that I like to use this time of year whenever it drops. The, uh, the homie Arif um, at The Athletic 
Um, he, Arif Hassan, he does a consensus big board every year. Basically, he combines like 50 plus big boards that are publicly available. Um, and he throws them all on a spreadsheet and basically like creates what is considered the consensus among analysts or whatever. And I think it's really cool um, because it gives a good like feel for where guys are projected to go because it's not just Dane Brugler. It's not just Mike. Uh, what's his uh, Mel Kuyper it's not just Todd McShay it's not just PFF it's not just the homie Jordan Reed or Danny Kelly or, or whoever um, I think it's a dude San, Di- San Diego Union Tribune who does one um, every year like it's just it combines all of that information plops it into one and kind of gives us a good look for example or not for example but I think the big board consensus is kind of a better way to look at like what's considered a reach or a steal or someone fell in the draft quote unquote all these buzzwords that we use that are really just based on stuff we read on Twitter or maybe one or two big boards, this kind of looks at a bunch of them. It's the most, it's like the most comprehensive look, I think, at a, at a, at a draft consensus. Like, so last year, um, for example, Jordan Brooks was like 84th um, on the big board or in the eighties, um, somewhere around there. Um, and then he ended up going like 27th. Like that's, so that was why I was comfortable being skeptical of it, right? Because so many people who are in the know were like, eh, and to, and to be clear, some people do their mock drafts differently or their big boards differently. Some people construct theirs. Like, I think Dane does a lot of his mostly on what he thinks. He talks to people about a lot of what he thinks. And then some people like to do, I think Peter Schrager, for example, will tell you his his boards and his mocks are constructed by um, what he hears from people. Like, he talks to people and then constructs it accordingly. So it's all a bunch of different stuff, really helpful. Um, and something I kind of refer to this time of year just to kind of get a feel for what's, what's like tenable, uh, I guess. And I guess I should follow that up with the difference between a mock and a big board. It seems obvious, but like a mock kind of adjusts for team needs more than a big board does. Like if you'll notice on a lot of big boards that people put out, Kyle Pitts is like number two. Yeah. You know, like it's very, it goes like Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Pitts. Um, but he's not number two on any mock. Right, because positional needs per team vary. Um, so the highest you'll see Kyle Pitts go is like four, but he at the highest you'll see him on a big board is two. Um, so just take that into account as well. So a, a big board isn't necessarily like, oh, he's gonna go one twentieth just because he's one twenty uh, on there. Yeah, I think that's really nice. And the Reefs also has like positional rankings um, as well. So for example, who's a guy everyone likes? Um, let's go with Rondell Moore. Um, the uh, receiver out uh Purdue. F- yeah, Purdue. Um, Cliff Aver will probably love that pick. He's at 36 on the big board, and he's the third slot receiver um, right behind Elijah Moore at two. And I think number one would that probably have to be Devontae Smith probably. Oh, Jalen Waddle. Um, so that I think that's really interesting. So that's something I referenced uh, as much as possible every year just because it's a really good look at what's really a reach, what's really a steal, who really fell. And obviously some teams will be different. None of this really takes into account any team's big board. Those are always going to be private, duh. Um, but <laughs> you know that some people are film are creating their big boards based on discussions with teams and all that stuff. So without further ado, what you got for the people, Chris? Man, what do I have for the people? I have quite a bit. I want to start this off by saying there's no way in hell the Seahawks are going to just take three picks. I just don't see it. I went back, did my Googles, and was able to find that the last time the Seahawks had five or less draft picks, well, let's just say five, because the last time they had five was in 1997. And 
Guess who was on there, guys? Walter Jones. And Sean or, Springs. And Sean Springs, two guys you probably should f- be familiar with, especially if you're a Seahawks fan. But that was the last time that they had five draft picks, and they went with those five. They had two first-rounders, one-fifth, one-sixth, and one-seventh, all right? And it didn't go that well after that. <laughs> but, I mean, hey. <laughs> the biggest thing is they got I, Walter Jones. Yes. Know. And I'm not, I'm not comparing and saying they're going to find a amazing left tackle and all that. The hope is you find someone like that that can come in and com- compete and be an all-time great and all-pro. But I'm just saying, of course, I have to make some trades here because I just I do not see the Seahawks saying, we're going to take three guys and roll with it. Man, that's, they had two top 10 picks in 1997. That is, when was the last time that happened? That's, that a really bad year prior. <laughs> uh, well, I, there's probably some trades and stuff in that. I don't have it all committed to memory off the top of my head. I'll, you know, I'll look it up while you're doing your, your mock. Go ahead. But I will make some trades. So first, the Hawks trade the 56th and the 129th pick to Buffalo for 61 and the 90th as the Bills are looking to land a defensive player, defensive lineman to be exact. Now the Seahawks have the 61st and the 90th pick, okay? And then I'm going to make another trade. The Hawks say, you know what? We want to give, we want to get some more guys in the later rounds, fifth, sixth round if we can, even the fourth. With that, Seahawks trade 61st and the 90th to the Vikings for the 90th the 125th, 157, and 199 as the Vikings are looking to land some land a cornerback. The Hawks now have the 90th, 125, 157, 199, and 250, a total of five draft picks. Now that we got that out the way, let's get to the fun part. Oh, let's, huh. Oh, what's up? I, I found it. Uh, so Walter Jones was a pick. They, they traded up to get Walter Jones. They originally had pick 12. Wow. And okay. traded up to get him, f- took that pick from the Bucks uh, to get him. So, yeah, just go ahead. No, you're good. That was uh, that was interesting. In the third round, 90th overall in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Seattle Seahawks are going to select cornerback Tyson Campbell out of Georgia. Now, you look at the cornerback room for the Seahawks, and it's, it's an interesting one to say the least, right? You got Trey Flowers. DJ Reed, Demarius Randall, Akello Witherspoon. They need something in there. They need some depth. And with Tyson Campbell, for one, he's a speedster. Okay. The kid ran track. What he ran, ran, his, he ran, he ran a 40. He ran a 4 3. 4 3 6 in the 40. So Jesus he, Christ. Good news is he's 6'1. He has the length. How long his arms? His arms' length are at 32 arms. 32. Oh, nice. All right. Perfect. 32 with a 436. Yeah, that sounds like Shaq. I think Shaq. No, for real. I think Shaq is like the. Oh, you're okay. Shaquille Griffin. Yeah, no, I think. Well, I think, yeah, Shaq did run a 437 and Shaquem ran a 436, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that. I looked that something up. Something crazy. But Keep either going. way, this is some. Actually, so I lied. The Seahawks do look at speed. They took Shaquille Griffin. So Tyson Campbell fits the mold there. And it's yeah. the same pick they took Shaq, too. She took him at 90. Bro. Seahawks, this is definitely something you got to do. Go ahead. Uh, Shaq ran a fourth. Shaquille ran a four three eight. So you can see that would be very Seahawky to the guy they lost at. Where actually is is um is Tyson Callum from Florida too? Yeah, he's from Plantation, Florida. Plantation. I know. Probably not the greatest. Go ahead. I'm about to look up that. No, that, you're that good. Racist as hell. You never heard of Plantation, Florida? First time? I, maybe I have. No, you have. You just were like, damn. It, you just have. A player has been drafted in a while. I don't know. It's probably heard in a minute. Long story short, he was a five-star corner recruit out of high school. He was number two ranked behind Patrick Sertain Jr., all right? Stud. 
Last year, he had six passes defense with one interception, all right? He definitely can use some work. He's still a young talent, but this is someone that you can get in the third round. I think is is something that can help the Seahawks defense. He has the speed to run with anyone, kind of like what we mentioned with Shaq. He, doesn't, he won't get beat over top too often. And again, the Seahawks play a lot of cover three. Your responsibility is the deep third. As long as you don't get beat deep, you're good. Some things he can work on, he's inconsistent with awareness, and that has to do with catch pointing the ball, struggles to find football downfield. That could be an issue. I remember at training camp, I always complained about corners not being able to turn their head. That could be a weakness that he needs to work on. But outside of that, this is a Seahawky guy that the Seahawks should go out and get. I really think he can come in and do what Pete loves, which is compete. And with that cornerback room, again, I mentioned Akello Witherspoon, DJ Reed, DJ Reed Trey Flowers, Demarius Randall, Pierre Desir. He can come in and he can make some noise. Let's go and see what he's all about. So I'm going to take him with the third third round, 90th overall. Just as a quick aside, apparently this American Heritage High School that uh, is oh. in Plantation oh boy, or whatever, apparently that place is the bomb diggity. Like, Apparently, it just there's like 10 dudes in this class from that same high school. There it must be like one of them juggernaut schools. It's got to be because I'm not about to grow up in nowhere called Plantation. That's just not how You ain't got a choice, Mike. I, not, well, one of these dudes transferred for, uh, to that school, too. I'm looking at like there's a lot of dudes from that school. Apparently, Patrick Sertan's dad might coach there currently. Um, so that might be what because you know in south florida that's where all the talent is like, yeah yeah it's huh homegrown fast do it all i don't like the name plantation though i'm sorry I that just feel you that just threw me off don't I, draft nobody else from plantation it's just kind of i think i'm done mike okay i'm almost positive but i want to go to the offense of side of the ball because we figured out that they need someone at corner they got to take another they got to take someone no one they didn't find anything in the free agency run, and Sherman's still out there. That That's a possibility, perhaps, although I've been told the longer he's out there, the less likely it is that he's a Seahawk. Next up, the, the, the one position that I think needs some depth is wide receiver. Right now, you have Tyler Loggin and DK. Freddie's frame was definitely, he definitely showed his worth, but I still think it can develop and be better. So why not go out and draft a kid in Shy Smith out of South Carolina, 5'9", a buck 86. You want to talk about speed? He ran a 4-4-3. Not blazing, but he's quick. That's and fast. I, That's fast. It's not blazing. It's not what we just saw with the corner at 4-3. Uh, no. No, it is not. <laughs> but he's definitely quick. And the thing that I like about Shy is his ability to get in and out of his braids quickly. And when you're looking for a slot guy, you need someone like that. You talked about it a lot last season about dang, the Seahawks just need someone in the slot that can just get in, get out of the brakes quick, and make that catch, catch the slants, catch the out routes, catch those little seven-yard routes. Nothing deep because we have that. And the Seahawks have that in Ty Lockett and DK Metcalf. If they can get someone in Shai Smith who is an outstanding guy with his speed and toughness, one-step quickness, he's able to beat defenders off of one step, then you go for it. One thing he does lack is the size, but look at Ty Lockett, right? He's one of the best receivers now in the league, and size was probably an issue on, on his draft guide and what things that he needed to work on. So this is someone who I think can come in and be that spark plug that, the, that this offense would, would need, all right? Russell Wilson went on a tour, all right? Offensive line, he wanted help. Why not get a wide receiver to start things off? That way you have another go-to guy. And this is someone that you can plug in, I think, in the offense 
pretty quickly and get production. You look at his stats from 2020, he had 57 catches, just under 700 yards and four touchdowns, averaging 11 yards per 11, 11 yards per reception. Not bad. This guy, Shai Smith, is someone I would think the Seahawks should definitely take a look at. And hopefully I land this pick. This is one of the ones that I'm high on. In the fifth round, at 157th pick overall, I'm going off at the tackle, and I'm going Dan Moore, Texas A&M. Dwayne Brown's going to be 36. I don't know how much he has left, and you're looking at this offensive line, you're wondering, okay, where can, where can the Seahawks add some depth? This is a piece that they can just add depth. I'm not saying that it's over for Dwayne Brown, but he's getting older. Although he's still playing at a really high level, but things happen, and the fact that this is going to be a longer season, injuries, they're going to happen. It's just how banged up our player is going to be. And if Dan Moore can come in and fill that void, why not? And he's productive. You play, play left tackle in it? Yeah, he play left tackle. So if he can come in and fill that void and he's capable of doing so, Pete Carroll is definitely going to give him the shot. For example, Damian Lewis. All right, there was injuries at center. Damian Lewis flexed over and played center. While it wasn't the greatest thing ever, he was able to go in and get the job done. And that's all you really want. If Danny, if Dan Moore can come in at offensive tackle, left tackle at that, and Dwayne Brown goes down and he's able to go out there and compete, and let's say maybe someone at center goes down, he's able to do that, that's a valuable asset there. And he's a fifth-round pick. He may or may not work out, but it's definitely someone you got to take a look at. In the sixth round, I'm going to the defensive side. Why not get a linebacker? K.J. Wright has not been signed by the Seahawks. It doesn't seem that he will. So with a six-round, 199th pick, I am taking linebacker Isaiah McDuffie from Boston College, someone who's a hard-nosed player. is going to go out there and compete, something Pete loves. He is fast. He gets he attacks the ball. This is, some, this is someone that I think can make his name for on special teams, right? Damn, he had 100 tackles last year. Finds the ball. He has a nose for it. And with what the Seahawks like to do on defense, he could definitely come in. I mean, you look at the NFC West with Kyler Murray and his ability to scramble, maybe he can come in and spy with Jordan Brooks. We saw what Jordan Brooks was able to do with his time and what he brought to the team. Even though he was a first-round pick, you would expect that from him. But this is a guy in the sixth round who can come in and possibly make a name for himself and get a starting role, all right? Cody Barton, Ben Burkirvin, those guys are still fighting for a spot on this roster. Why not bring in... Linebacker Isaiah McDuffie and see what he can do. And then the seventh round, I'm going with seventh round, 250 overall. I'm going with offensive line, going to their O lineman, and he can play guard. This is Carson Green out of Texas A&M. Big guy, 6'5", 300 pounds, can carry his weight around, and he has an opportunity to make a team. Why not give this guy a shot? But yeah, that's where I'm rolling with for the 2021 NFL mock draft. I got again. 93rd overall, going cornerback Tyson Campbell out of Georgia. 125th pick, wide receiver Shai Smith out of South Carolina. 157th overall, Dan Moore, offensive tackle out of Texas A&M. 199, linebacker Isaiah McDuffie out of Boston College. And 250th, offensive line, can play O-guard Carson Green out of Texas A&M. So I got two guys from Texas A&M. They must have had a real nasty O-line last year, which wouldn't surprise me. I don't. Ask, ask me how many Texas A&M games I saw last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw none. Fun fact about one of your guys, though, was his name Isaiah McDuffie. Yep, uh, his real name was actually Stevenson. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There you go. That's his first name. But he goes by Isaiah. Another fun fact. So if he gets drafted, we have to ask, you know, why do you go by that? For all my NBA guys out there, I just found out that Jeremy Grant's first name is actually Houston. All right. <laughs> no, I think they, they all have H names, right? Because aren't they all Horace Grant's family? The fact that I was Googling him for a story, and I realized, I said, wait, wait, his name is Houston Jeremy Grant? And he's just like, yo, call me Jeremy. Yeah, I think I think they I think the Grant got anyway. It's neither here nor there. Another fun fact about Stevenson. Uh, that's what we're going to refer to him uh, here <laughs> as at the show for this moment. As Dane Brugler describes him in the Beast, he says he only knows one speed and flies around the field with a touch of insanity to him. This uh, is what Pete loves. What you just talked about, flies around the field. Well, also I was focusing on the part insanity. insanity. I don't mm-hmm. know, like. I need to ask Dane about. We're gonna have Dane on the show after this. If they if they draft him, you definitely gotta ask Dane about that that line in particular. Because I want to know what you have to see to call someone insane. Like I don't know the last time I've watched someone. You know, actually, who have the last time I watched someone and was like, he's a psycho, is Cam Chancellor. Yeah, that was the last time I watched someone and I was like, you don't you don't give a damn about anything. Like you you're you're willing to die out here. Jamal like, Adams, I think, fits in that category. He seems a bit more. Mm, what's the word I want to use? I don't know. Rational as a football player. You think Jamal is? On the field. Like I don't this, think so. This is a play. Like you, he makes plays, but he seems to at least care about like being reckless. I don't know. Like man. nothing. Like I guess Vontez Burfick is who I would also Ooh. call as someone who I like. Okay. Th- like there's some asan- insanity to your game. There's a line and you just don't give anything. You yeah. don't care about it. I think um, who's some other guys there? Um, I mean, Marshawn Lynch, too. Um, at least someone on offense. Another example. Bo Jackson, old school. Um, I mean, I'm not, I've not watched a lot of Bo Jackson. Everything oh, is highlights with Bo. Like I sit there and watch the games. Um, another example is there was a dude who he kept getting illegal hits. I want to say Deshaun Goldson, maybe? Oh, the safety? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like him. Well, I mean, the one you named, Vontez Burvick, is he's numero uno. Yeah, like there's just some, t- like when I watch him play, and this is nothing like interviews or behavior off field. I'm talking about strictly like field. when I watch, it's like, you're oh. psycho. Uh, I would say Andamic and Sue, but nah. Andamic and Sue as well. He's stomping on people. Yes. No, Andamic, thank you. Yes, that's the other one. So All I'm right. curious about, now I'm going to, after we're done here, I'm read up on um, McDuffie here. That oh, was fun. Stevenson. 
Yeah, Stevenson, <laughs> Isaiah, Mc, McDuffie. I don't know how you get Stevenson and Isaiah. That's an interesting one. It's probably in here uh, somewhere, but I just don't want to try. Dive. To re- I want to try to read Dane's whole thing. Um, yeah, those are my, those are my picks, man. I'm rolling with those guys. I think. I hope I get all of them, man. Shoot, how crazy would that be? I land every single one of them. I think Although, honestly, if you were to get all of them, we're not going to do the pod anymore. You would get hired by a team. We'd be like, well, if you're that good, give us some intel. <laughs> um, and I'd be like, oh, damn, that that stinks. You uh, got it by yourself. Uh, no, I don't. I don't know how to work any of this uh, stuff. <laughs> but all right, that means it's it's my go. Um, I will start off. Um, that's a good mock. Um, I'm going to start off with a trade, a pre-draft trade, though. I'm going to, and I considered a bunch of options here, Um but I'm going to actually I'll, I'll I'll go behind the scenes a little bit. So I considered four trades for the 250th overall pick because I'm like guys, I'm not gonna lie, I just really don't see value in seventh round picks. Like okay, I know Chris Carson. I Thanks get for it. pooping on my party. I, it's, you. it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I had to do that. Uh, but it's seventh <laughs> round picks. Just look at the math on it. <laughs> it just doesn't like. There's so much wrong with the prospects there. I mean, it's wrong. There's something wrong with every prospect. But it's the idea that like. How likely is that dude to make the team? It's very unlikely. So I would like a more proven prospect if I can. A lot of times the options aren't, especially late in the seventh where they pick. There's only 259 guys going to get drafted. So you're looking at two, the pick 250 is like, that dude probably doesn't have a shot. I know Chris Carson. I know David Moore. I, I get it. You can find, you can't, Malcolm Smith, you can find a guy to make the team in the seventh round. You can. I know. The odds, you can also, you know, pick a Richard Sherman in the fifth doesn't mean it's going to happen. The odds of doing so are actually very low. So I, I don't like the idea of using that pick. I think they should definitely shop it around and get quite literally whatever they can get for it. I don't care if it's another running back or whatever. But so I considered four people here, consider calling the Bears and asking for Nick Foles to get a backup quarterback. Um, I actually would really like that. That'd be dope. Uh, I, I would feel good if I was a Seahawks. Finally, if something happened to Russ, the world doesn't end. Yeah, Nick, Is Nick Foles as good as Russell Wilson? No. God, no. But Does man. he have more Super Bowl MVPs than Russell Wilson? I don't know. And I'm kidding. Kidding, <laughs> kidding, kidding. But the point is, like, and Seattle has basically just gotten very lucky that Russell Wilson is freaking Iron Man. And I don't think that that's bad process, even if it's worked out for them. So I would call the Bears for Foles $4 million. Um, uh, that's a cap hit, I think it would be, for the next two years. Really, just one year if you want. Just cut him after a year. But, like, he would be the best backup they've ever had. And at a price, I think it's... R- Pretty reasonable when you look at what are some other backups are making. Again, for a seventh-round pick, who's probably not going to make the team. Um, the other option was J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, receiver from Philly. He would be an outside guy that you would just hope could just catch a lot of touchdowns like he did at Stanford. I mean, that would be the hope. Maybe have playing with Kobe Parkinson. I don't know how much overlap they had, but maybe that'll help him pick up the offense. I don't know. He's already proven. Again, another guy who's not that he's great, probably better than whatever you're going to get in the seventh round. Um, same thing. I consider calling Jacksonville for Gardner Minshew. Uh, D- uh, Doug Farrar just did a dope piece. Uh, I think it was Doug. Oh, maybe it's not. I don't know. Someone just wrote about why Gardner would fit uh, in Seattle, and maybe that's the coog in me. But again, backup quarterback matters. Like they've gotten really lucky that Russell doesn't get, ever miss anything. I'm not saying he's gonna miss something in 2021. I just think that you can't just completely ignore the position like they've basically been doing. And I consider Geno Smith ignoring it. Um, but finally, I'm going to start it off. I, I gave the Bears the 250th overall pick, and they gave me Anthony Miller, who I've, I'm under the impression that they've been shopping literally for the past two months. Uh, they've been shopping him for a while. Don't like him. Not necessarily because he sucks. He just hasn't lived up to being the second-round uh, second pick, and this, the expectations are a little lofty there. So 
they want to get rid of him. I also think he got kicked out of their wild card game against the Saints, uh, and that was kind of like the last straw uh, among some other reasons that they're just done with him. Um, so they've been trying to shop him for a while. They're probably going to cut him. I don't know when, but you can get ahead of that and get, you know, uh, how, how old is this dude? This dude can't be more than like 25. I was going to say 26. Yeah, 26 maybe. He was just a, you know, he's in the same draft class as Rashad Penny. Young guy. So he can't be super old. So he like fairly productive. He's shown some things. It just didn't work out in in Chicago, which is fine. Whatever. Didn't work out. A seventh round pick and you get a guy who was once a second-round pick. Same thing with Ortega Whiteside. Like, take a chance. Yeah, Anthony Miller's 26 years old, turns 27 in October, 5'11", 199 pounds. I'd have to look up where he was lining up, slot versus um, outside. But, you know, 11 touchdowns in two years. Give it a shot. Seventh-round pick, really? Sure, I'll take it. And it doesn't put as much pressure on you to land a guy in the draft if you do that. So I'm really entering the draft with only two picks. Don't you worry, guys. Yeah. Mike's going to make some trades. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> I mean, I started the damn thing with a trade, so you know I'm going to keep it going. So you're, you're coming to the draft, you got pick 56, and you got pick 129. That's really all you got. You got pick 56, 129, and Anthony Miller. I'm cool with that, actually, because I'm not going to go through all of the trades that I did, but I played with a bunch of mock simulators and stuff like that and some, some uh, draft value charts, and I made three trades with three teams with Cleveland, this is all just trading back from 56. I didn't move any other picks. So pick 56, I turned that into pick after pick after trades with Cleveland, Atlanta, and the Chargers. I have pick 77, pick 129, 159, 169, and 187. All right. Look at that. It's five, baby. Yeah. So I turned two into five. And I'm, I went from picking late in the second to midway to the third of the top pick. So there you go. Um, so with that first pick, I'm going to draft Dwayne Brown's successor. I'm going to take Brady Christensen, left tackle out of BYU, for a lot of the same reasons that you mentioned, Chris. Um, and I'm going to add to that. Like, the resource allocation for a good left tackle is very steep. You look at the good left tackles in this league, and Robert Mays did some good research on this in The Athletic, and um, I think Danny Kelly mentioned Brady um, on our podcast with him. Yeah, he, yeah, did. he did. Yep. Yeah, and and the idea is that to find a left tackle, a good one, you're probably going to have to spend a first or second round pick. And if you're going to trade for one, you're probably going to have to give up a first or a second round pick. Like you can maybe find a guy later, but at some point, that level of draft capital is going to be have to use is going to have to be used to acquire your guy. Like you look at even Dwayne Brown, he's a first round pick, so obviously very good high or uh, high draft capital that was used on him, I should say. And then what did it take to get him? They gave up a second and a third to get a guy who was a former first, right? So, and you look at, uh, when's the last time the Seahawks had a left tackle? Russell Okun, where they get him? In the first round. Like, you need, you have to spend. Okay? And I know that using a, like, mid-third rounder is not spending. It's not super expensive. But you can see he's the top pick that I have in this class. And that's why. It's that you got to start thinking about this now. Right? Because next year, you don't have a first. And you only have a second. Uh, so next year, I guess in theory, you could like I have to, if Dwayne Brown calls it a career after at the age thirty six after playing at a high level for mm, however many years, fourteen years or whatever. Then the, next year you're looking, you're not looking like oh damn. Now we either have to trade that second for a left tackle and plus more, which it would it would be probably be a second and another third, or you have to take a rookie and hope on a rookie being your left tackle. And the last time the Seahawks had a rookie being their left tackle, it was a freaking disaster, and it wasn't good. So, and I think Russ got hurt like week one, <laughs> or week two, whatever it was. So I'm going tackle. 
um, at first. Brady uh, Brady would have to sit for a year, figure some things out. He's very good in college, though. Everyone uh, who has talked about him, Brandon Thorne, who runs Trench Warfare, uh, warfare um, you listen, to, you uh, read about, it, listen to him, uh, listen to people talk about him. Like a guy who, after a year of sitting behind and learning from Dwayne, should be solid. Uh, my next pick in the fourth round. Now we can get to some of the more quote unquote immediate needs. I think uh, because I think every every pick after that, when you're in the fourth and fifth and sixth rounds, is where. When you drive a vehicle so reliable, it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. You're drafting. You're drafting for depth now. Potential starters later, but it's all really just a crapshoot. Like I'm taking Kendrick Green, interior O line out of Illinois, guy who I probably would expect to succeed Ethan Posick in a year. But hey, if you if you can back up Gabe Jackson now and fill in for uh, Damian Lewis now, or fill in for injured Ethan Posick now and then succeed Ethan later, then that's a good pick. All right, a guy who. Uh, really solid in the Big Ten. Uh, if you notice here, I'm mostly taking. Actually, I'm taking guys from all over conferences. But um, <laughs> you got to though. Uh, I did like. I found myself liking a lot of Big Ten prospects uh, in the draft. I don't know how that stacks up with some other people, but I just felt like, man, the Big Ten really put out some dudes. And it wasn't on purpose. Like Kendrick was a Big Ten guy who was who was killing it. Uh, but yeah, he's a guy that I think would be depth uh, early and then compete with Ethan. I don't really necessarily think that you have to spend a second round pick on a guy that you want to compete with Ethan. I think if you try to get someone to beat out Ethan, you got to go like it's someone you want to replace him. Like I know some people have wanted um, what's his name, kid out of Whitewater, uh, Wisconsin. Oh, Quinn. Quinn, yeah, yeah, showing the belly. Yeah, yeah, man who had the belly out at the Senior Bowl. They broke his hand and kept playing at the Senior Bowl. Or Landon Dickerson, or um, there's another, another. Um, oh, Creed Humphrey, I think, kid from Oklahoma. So like, and I get that. I think you only take those if you need a starting center like now. And I think the Seahawks do not. Like as much as I think that Ethan has a uh, as a ceiling that's probably not very high. Like he's good enough to just have there. So uh, when you have someone like Kendrick Green who was killing it playing guard and center, uh, Illinois, I think it was an All American uh, too. Like I like that. I think on the big board, where's he at on the big board? Let's check it. Let's check that out. The big board is that 101? I'm getting it at 129. Right? Is that I'm getting him at? I can't keep track of all my picks. Yeah, I like that though. I think I think that's a good pick that if he's one of those, if he does beat out Ethan or somebody right away, great. If not, sit for a year, be depth for a year, and then boom, then you go. Because next year, I really don't I really don't like the idea of like having to take a rookie to play right away at guard. If you Tough. can find one, sure. But when you don't have a lot of high draft, or actually on O-line, not just guard, I don't like that idea at all. Like, in particular with this team that has not been great at drafting offensive linemen. I don't trust them to like have a need and immediately dress, address it in the draft. Damian Lewis is very rare in that regard for this team in particular, a team that doesn't have a lot of high uh, draft picks moving forward. Um, so I, I got Kendrick Green after that. In the fifth round now, now we're just at full-on crapshoots. I'm going to take cornerback Benjamin St. Juice uh, out of Minnesota. Again, the Big Ten. Uh, but again, another guy who was balling at the Big Ten level. 
Um, what's he at on the big board? Let's see here. Because um, I'm getting him at what? 159? Mm-hmm. I mean, 119 on the big board. 14th cornerback uh, 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 listed here. Oh, that's that, that's pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm with you on the cornerback room, man. Like, there ain't a ton on the outside that you really are worried about. Like, the, the cornerback room on defense is the fastest path to the starting lineup in Seattle. It just is. Who's who's cornerback one right now? Let's see. It's a great question. Yeah, no one has a good answer. I know they. Uh, now, who would you want to be? I'm sure a lot of people will say DJ Reed, but if you ask Pete Carroll, what would he say? Akella Weatherspoon. Yeah, would Trey he, Flowers. Yeah, like well, he probably wouldn't say Trey, but <laughs> I guess he does have the most familiarity <laughs> in the system. So it's a start, exactly. But so another um, another guy who uh, really productive that full year that he played at. Uh, Minnesota that last that junior year I think it was he had like a bunch of passes defense only thing I'm a little worried about is not getting any interceptions I don't think he had any interceptions in college big 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 problem how many pass defense did he have uh he just had like 13 over the last uh two years so 13 over like 18 games something like that which is no that's good that's that's some decent production I mean think about it right so 13 over 18 games um Shaq made the Pro Bowl after having like 13 over 16 games. Yep. Um, so, and that was in 2019. So 13 over that span um, is pretty good. Especially, I don't think he started all 18 of those games. So like he's getting there, getting his hands on passes, just not catching them, um, which, but I think again, once you're in the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, you're going to have dudes with like a clear glaring flaw like that. That's just kind of how it's going to be. Now I do think that catching the ball is a teachable skill. Because we're gonna look at we're gonna see a lot of guys like someone like Tyson Campbell has stuff you don't teach. Yeah. Right? Like speed, guy who can just move and uh getting in can, up. Yeah. Yeah, like guys who has like the physical tools that like you can't teach that. I can't teach you four three. <laughs> I just I can't teach you to be six two. I can't teach you to have thirty two and five eight, you know, arms, which is actually what uh Benjamin St. Juice has. Like I can't teach you that. Like he only ran four five, right? Like I can't teach you that stuff. I can teach you to get your head around. I can yeah. teach you to catch. We have a jug machine for that. You know, like we have, we just have coach, like I can teach you those things. And if you're a fifth round pick, like I can, you know, do, I mean, Seahawks took freaking Trey Flowers uh, as a safety, made him a corner uh, and taught him how to get his hands on the ball. Like it just, it just works. All right. So I, th- I think that that'd be a project there, but because in the fifth round, even though you're a fifth round pick, you got a shot at the starting lineup. That's where I'm going corner there. Like, you, you can make it. There's really nothing really stopping you. And you're not even going against a bunch of other dudes who were high draft picks who, like, have all these other traits that you don't have. Like, I think even DJ Reed, right, a lot who a lot of people want to be the number one cornerback. He's a fifth-round pick. Trey Flowers, fifth-round pick. Keller Witherspoon, mm, second-round pick, third-round pick. Yeah, third-round pick in 2017. There's not a lot of guys in there who were even, like, I, I guess blue chip's the word. Um Blue collar. Uh, yeah, no, I not blue collar because they all black. Um, I'm sorry. That's just, it's, I, and never mind. I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> the only one is uh, Demarius Randall, who was a first round uh, pick of the Packers. Like, he's the one, but he's bounced around so much that, like, that blue chip stuff is a like, gone oh, at, at, at this point. So, my point is that even with a fifth rounder, you can be like, hey, man, go in there and compete and you can have a shot to get in the starting lineup. Basically, what Trey Flowers did. You look at Trey Flowers in 2018. He was not supposed to be the starter uh, opposite uh, Shaq. They had Byron Maxwell. That's who they were going to start there. They had Dante Johnson. They picked up that year um, on a one-year deal, I think. He got hurt. Byron got hurt. They were like, Trey, you're up. 
Like, that's just kind of what it was. I could see, maybe not because of injuries, but I could see, especially if there's preseason games this year, I think there's supposed to be three of them. Yes. I, I imagine there will be preseason games this year. I think a lot of those guys, um, where the depth chart isn't, like, super thick ahead of them, these some of these fifth, sixth guys who, like, have some of the, the physical tools but need to be taught some things, the in-game reps with some of these guys that having some tape um, against other opponents would be really good. Um, so... And I like that he gets his hands on a lot of passes, too. And big dude. I like that. Hands on a lot of passes. Hands on balls. Just Yeah, now when you said hands on, you, you said Mike likes ha- guys who get hands on balls. And I wanted to be like, yo, bro, <laughs> can you reword that? Like, I know what you're saying, but like, you, you got to. like guys you that gotta, can you defend gotta, the pass. Yeah, you got to chill out, man. Like, yeah, careful. We are in Seattle and everything, man. But <laughs> anyway, um, you misrepresented me. There's a problem with that. I'm just saying, like. That's just not my get down. You feel me? Uh, anyway, uh, we're still in the fifth round here. Pick 169. So to recap, I took Brady Christensen, left tackle, Kendrick Green, guard slash center, Benjamin St. Juice, cornerback. And then the fifth round, I take Cade Johnson, receiver out of South Dakota State. Another slot guy. Again, very similar to what Chris was saying about Shai Smith is that if you want to make the starting lineup as a rookie in Seattle, you're your your path on offense is corner, and your path on de- or excuse me, your path on defense is corner. Your path on offense is wide receiver three, right? Because the third wide receiver is effectively a starter now. That's just kind of how it works. Like the slot guy has re- has replaced like the tight end, and and that and like the number two tight end essentially. Like we're not just twelve personnel on it all over the field. Actually, you know what a better example is? The slot receiver has effectively replaced the fullback. So throw that out the window. Um, so I think that with Cade, interesting thing about Cade is he went to the senior bowl and tore it up. And that's some reasoning that the Seahawks have liked before. Now it's led them to taking guys like, um, Rashad Penny. Um, but I think in particular the way he tore it up and the fact that you're taking a late pick on him, like I can, what you should do with guys who uh, played at smaller schools, uh, like South Dakota state, Chris, where South Dakota state play Brooksville. Brooksville. What was it called? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, Brookings. Brookings. Brookings, yes. That's a good pull. Um, you guys who played air, you do want to see if they can compete at this level. Not never good enough to be a first-round pick at this level. Like, I wouldn't have took Rashad there just because he played well in uh, Mobile or Belma or whatever. But, or Mobile, whatever. But I would I would take a chance in a fifth-round guy like Cade because he balled out there. Because that's where the competition is. That you're, that's more likely what you're going to face in the league. And I do like that. Like, I do think the way the Seahawks kind of weight the senior bowl, like weight as in like put more emphasis on, like W-E-I-G-H-T. That I do think is smart because that's that's a better sample size, especially for guys who played at smaller schools. What you shouldn't do is then be like, all right, cool, I'll take him in the first round. No, 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 don't do that. Stupid, very stupid. Um, but so like guy like Kate killed it down there, showed he could play like, wasn't just tearing up dudes at whatever conference, you know, South Dakota State is in. <laughs> like you, he, you, can, you can get down against guys who – you're going to face in the league. I like that. Especially, again, fifth-round pick. There's a chance I can just put you in there, have you ball out in the preseason, and you got a chance to make the team. And my last pick, pick 187, and we're in the sixth round now. I'm going to take Darius Stills, defensive tackle out of West Virginia. This is really – I wasn't really looking at defensive tackles of, of any kind and when I was doing mocks earlier in the year, and then they cut Jay Reed. So I was like, oh, wait a minute. You need something. You need, you need something. It's particularly, particularly at three technique, which is where you'll see like Darius Stills kind of projected as, mostly because he's not very big. Um, I think he scores really low um, on like uh, 
in terms of size among guys at his position. Like, I think he's like 278 or something like that, only like six feet. Like, that's not huge from expecting you to play against NFL defensive tackles. That's probably why he'd be available in the sixth round, though. Remember, guys are always going to have some type of glaring issue here. The thing is, like, having traits um, that teams can like. And I think the thing that you're going to look at and see, you hear teams talk about with Darius, whichever team takes him, especially if it's Seattle, is like they're probably going to use words like motor and energy and stuff like that. Like basically, man, he'd be out there just running around, which is not not bad, especially on defense. But in the trenches in particular, I need you to be really like uh, productive, getting to the ball uh, really fast. I think how many sacks this dude have? You know, three and a half, uh, seven and a half tackles for loss. That's really good in, in, in 10 games. Another guy who was a baller, uh, All-American. Uh, I think he and Puna were both um, – I think Puna was defensive lineman of the year or defensive player of the year in the Big Ten or excuse me, the Big 12 coming out of college. I think Darius was um, as well uh, last year, if I'm not mistaken. I got to check Dane's beast on that. But um, my point is that, like, once we get in these rounds, I like guys who are really productive and have a trait or two that I can just really like. Like, if I see you as a really productive guy who can get to the get to the ball, whether it's in the quarterback hands or the running back's hands, even if you're undersized or whatever, hey, I give it a shot. I can work with that. If you uh, we can work on some of the hands or technique or film study stuff, but if I just like your energy and that, so if they run, hand the ball to the running back, you're gonna go mess him up. All right, cool. I like that. Uh, and then one the picks in this round, I mentioned some examples of like guys who outliers or or more examples in the rules. But um, last time I picked it around this area, 186 uh, was a uh, Jacob Martin. In 2018, he became pretty productive. Former Seahawk. Dude. Yeah, became pretty pretty productive dude. This would be pick 187, but uh, still, that round just shows like, hey, you can get guys who can contribute there. And that's another uh, group where like the, they have guys there, but the long term solutions aren't. I don't know. I won't say they're not great, but like you look at the defensive tackle group right now, it's a bunch of like nose tackles who can do other stuff, not the other way around. It's like guys like Brian Monet, it's Al Woods, it's Cedric Lattimore, it's Puna Ford. And Puna can kind of do a little everything at a really high level, but that's three undrafted tackles and then Al Woods, who was like a first-round pick in 1982. So I think you need some – you need to spend a draft pick there or something, especially if you're just going to lose Jeremy like that and not really replace him. So um, not replace him fully with another guy who's more of a three-technique uh, dude and less like a nose like some of your other guys so again i got brady christensen left tackle interior lineman kendrick green cornerback benjamin st juice receiver k johnson and defensive tackle darius stills i like it i like it chris i'm not gonna lie i think my I think my mocks my mock's better. We're going to see what happens when this draft better. happens. No, that's true. I just said I'm really confident. I think my mock's, mock is solid. I really – and don't forget, I traded for Anthony Miller. You did, get a, you did get a veteran receiver in that where I'm bringing in someone who's young and has to learn the ropes. I'll give you that. So I'm basically spending a seventh-round pick on a guy who was a former second-round pick. Like, that's – I like that. So, like, for example, I think this is good that we both have separate mocks. I think my guy is far more likely – or Anthony Miller is far more likely to make the team – than your guy. You know what I'm saying? And I feel it. how old is it, it, there are different positions, but this will kind of be interesting. How old is your guy that you took in the seventh round? He is 25, 24. Let's see. What was his name? Carson something? Carson Green out of Texas AM. Yeah, I, I, I want to check the age there because that's going to be kind of interesting too because that, that brings me to another point. All right. He is, he'll be 23 on draft day. Okay. So he's. Th- 
three years older than Black Guy. Um, so not a huge difference, but a, a difference uh, nonetheless. Uh, but uh, I guess your guy's a lineman, so he could technically play longer too. Um, but so maybe that wasn't the best case study. Still, <laughs> still, I like mine. I still like mine though because my guy's still, fair. My guy's still more likely to make. You're the supposed team. to like yours better. Yeah, as no. I like mine better. But it's yeah. all good. We're gonna see what happens come draft night. One uh, of us got to get one right. I know that for a fact. Oh, you put in twenty names. I put in five. I like your odds of getting at least three guys. Well, yeah, that, that speaks to the nature of the draft. Just throw names out there. <laughs> Eventually, you'll get a guy who's a. Uh, Who's good? But speak, I know that hurts. Speaking speaking of draft night, um, this is important here because I think this will be our last show until the so until Saturday the draft, right? Till the end of the draft, I should say. So yes, yeah. so we won't do this. Will be our only pre-draft content. This will be our last remaining pre-draft content. The next time you hear us, the draft will have happened. So nothing next week because the draft. We usually record in the middle of the week, but then the draft is in the middle of the week. So there's no point. No one's listening to pods after that. So. We'll wait until after the draft comes, bring you guys that heat. We'll have comments from all the draft picks. We'll have John Snyder. We'll have Pete Carroll. They're also going to talk next week, I think, probably. But we won't come again until after that unless something major happens. Dear Seahawks, don't do anything major. That's it. Dear Seahawks players, don't do anything crazy. You know, in between them. Looking at you, Alden. Don't do anything. That's it. Just kidding. But uh, anything else? Nah, man. Well, thank you guys for listening in. Make sure you subscribe to Seahawks Man to Man on YouTube. So when we have guests on, you can tap in and watch us live. Anything else you want to add before we shake? Yes, thank you for bringing up the guests. If you guys have people you think should be on the show, annoy the hell out of them on social media. Mm. Especially Bobby. Tell Bobby Wagner. Tweet him. Tag him on Instagram. Be like, hey, man, you got to be on the show. Need you on the show. We'd love to have you on Seahawks Man to Man. Let them know. All right? That's 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 the goal here. All right, we're going we're gonna to do our part, too, but it's so much more fun when they feel like the people want it. It's not just that the hosts want it. If they feel like the people want to hear them. I think the guys are more inclined to do it. So if you got someone in mind, definitely just ignore the hell out of them on social media. It's been another episode of Seahawks Man to Man. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will catch you guys next Saturday. Peace out. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.